Being an entrepreneur is a journey into yourself and what you want to express in the world. It's primarily an emotional journey. You come face to face with who you are compared to who you want it to be. And you understand your capacity to bounce back from things not going as planned because things will not go as planned, especially during the first few years. You have to find inner reserves of strength to face the day, courage to keep going when you feel like giving up, and the capacity to motivate yourself when you've lost all motivation. You're listening to the Soul Career Podcast, the podcast that brings you stories from people who've taken a risk to discover careers that fill them with purpose and make them come alive. I'm your host, Lysandra Ricketts. Now for the episode. So today I'm going to share with you what it's been like in my first year as a full-time entrepreneur. I was supposed to record this episode a few months ago probably six months ago, because I'm 18 months into it now. But here we are, better late than never. So I want to start with the journey, my entrepreneurial journey, and I'll tell you what my lessons have been in this first 18 months as a full-time entrepreneur. Why did I become an entrepreneur? Well, I wanted to really see what I can do in this world really kind of understand my capacity to generate income for myself outside of the corporate shield. And I wanted to live a multi-location life where I could pick up and live in the U.S. if I wanted, in Spain if I wanted, in Jamaica if I want. I view myself as a citizen of the world and I want my career to really reflect that. And then I wanted to uncap my upside. I want to have unlimited upside as an entrepreneur because usually as a full-time employee, you're capped by your salary. What you can earn is capped. So I wanted to remove that cap, have unlimited upside. And the risk, of course, is that you also have unlimited downside. So in June 2019, I was 35 years old when I decided to leave my job as CEO of the Richard Branson Center of Entrepreneurship to become a full-time entrepreneur. So let's talk a little bit about my risk appetite, like what was my relationship to risk at this point, why I was willing to make this big leap. So before this period in my life, I had always had a high tolerance for risks and especially taking risks in my career. I moved back to Jamaica after Harvard Business School instead of getting that dream job in corporate America at the time with a six-figure salary and living that dream of every immigrant that goes to the U.S., right? So I took three jobs in three years when I moved back to Jamaica because I was trying to figure out what I liked and what I wanted to do. And I took a huge pay cut to try to figure out what job I really wanted to. And I ended up taking a job at the Branson Center and really finding myself and falling in love with the work I was doing and finally understanding what makes me come alive at work. But now, let's say seven years after I first took that job, taking those kinds of risks with my career were not that easy anymore. On the plus side, I didn't have children yet, I didn't have a mortgage, and I had very little debt at that point in time. I also had already figured out the business model I wanted to pursue as an entrepreneur, and I actually tested it as a side hustle, started it starting in 2018. So my very first cohort 
of people at Seoul Korea was on April 1, 2018. And I already had the privilege and the pleasure of running a business that wasn't my own, right? um, Running the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship, learning how to manage cash flows, building a team, managing a board, and raising funding. So I'd run a business already, and I actually went to one of the best business schools in the world, of course, Harvard Business School. So that part of it wasn't as scary for me. But in doing all of these things, I had gotten used to a certain lifestyle that I wanted to maintain. So I had a decent salary, I had some savings, I have an investment account, a pension account, and I loved my apartment. And those are things that I didn't want to lose. And at some level, as a woman, as a human being of a certain age, I also wanted to be taken care of, right? I wanted to be able to express my art and my spirit in the world without fear of financial ruin and with the knowledge that I would not be alone, that I would feel supported no matter what. So these were the upsides, like the risks I had mitigated, as well as the downsides, the things that I didn't want to lose. And when you get to a certain point in your life, there are a lot of things that you don't want to lose. And that makes becoming a full-time entrepreneur filled with anxiety. That decision can be very filled with anxiety. So all of these things that I'd built in my life could be taken away from me when I started to build my own business from scratch. And being a broke entrepreneur, bootstrapping a business from a tiny, lonely room was just not appealing to me. Having taught entrepreneurs business principles for seven years at the Branson Center and having seen hundreds of entrepreneurial journeys close up and personal, I knew what I did not want my own journey to look like. So the biggest risk I was taking at this point was a financial one. How would I survive the brutal first few years in business while maintaining my lifestyle, the lifestyle that I had gotten used to? This question gave me months of anxiety between the time I made the decision in June 2019 and told the board, and by the time I left the Branson Center in December of 2019. So understanding the risks I was willing to tolerate in my entrepreneurial journey was critical to figuring out what decisions I needed to make to help manage those risks. And so, as most of you may know by now, I decided to raise money. So let me tell you a little bit about that journey of raising money while being based in Jamaica in the Caribbean. The biggest difference between the Caribbean and the U.S. is that the Caribbean operates from a place of scarcity. We're always afraid that what little we have will be taken away from us. And we've operated in economies where that has been true for decades, okay? So imagine what that does to the national psyche of these countries. High inflation, financial crises, all of these things combined to see wealth decimated, especially in Jamaica, in the 90s and the 2000s. So Jamaican investors and Caribbean investors in general operate from a place of how can we make sure we don't lose money? How can we give you the smallest amount possible and the shortest amount of time possible to prove your idea so that we can manage the risk of losing our money? On the opposite side, you have the American experience. The U.S. operates from this place of abundance. We have so much and we can always create more. Here's a bunch of money. Don't worry if you lose it. 
at least you've learned something important. And what are you creating? Is it valuable? Here's a bunch more money to create more, right? That's the perspective that it seems like from the outside of what American investors look for when they're funding businesses. So these mindsets are worlds apart. So the experience of being an entrepreneur based in the Caribbean is very different from the experience of being an entrepreneur based in the U.S. But I thought I was different, of course, right? So I had almost a decade of experience raising money and networking with the holders of capital in Jamaica. I was very good friends with them. They came to the Branson Center to look at entrepreneurs. I had a very strong network. And yet it was much more difficult to raise money than I expected. The terms for me were still shockingly onerous in the first couple rounds when I went to the first few investors. So I declined a few opportunities because I was really looking for people who knew me, who knew what I was capable of, and who believed in me and would, were willing to back whatever I did next, and who were willing to be patient with me and even lenient as I figured out the entrepreneurial journey. And that kind of angel investor is very hard to find in the Caribbean. And I actually was a little hesitant to use my American network because I had, I wasn't as close with them as the people that I was surrounded by every day. So I would have to do more groundwork and it would have taken a longer time to rebuild those relationships because they had, with the passing of time, they weren't as strong as the relationships that I had here in the region. So it ended up being three of my friends who ended up backing me. Three men, I would add, not women, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. So Juan was a friend of mine from high school who was now a very successful lawyer in the region and who actually started out as a sole career client and then decided to back me as an investor. The second investor was a dear friend of mine who I met at the very first job I had in Jamaica after college at the University of Chicago and who now runs a successful investment company that had just IPO'd when he was considering investing in me. And then the third investor was another entrepreneur who had actually asked me to chair his board. And after seeing me as chair of the board, he was like, Lissandra, I will back anything that you do next. And he was actually on the podcast back in April. So it ended up being three men, three men that I was close with that I knew who decided to bite me. And I found that women with money were more willing to connect me with their network than to put their money into my business. And I found that the men were more willing to back me with capital. So again, I see a, a difference in a willing to take financial risk, willingness to take financial risk. I definitely saw a difference between male investors in the region versus women investors. So I started pitching for money in November 2019, and I received the money in my bank account after lots of contractual agreements, lots of back and forth, lots of writing. I received the money in my bank account about six months later in April 2020 at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And what was really lucky and amazing for me was that once my investors gave their word, 
they did not back down. They did not back out, even as the world was falling apart around us and all of my assumptions were probably incorrect by this time because of the pandemic. They were like, Lysandra, we said we would back you and we are going to back you. And that was just, oh my gosh, it was the best thing ever. And that is the importance of finding investors that you really connect with on a personal level who believe in you, especially in the early days, so that no matter what happens, they're not pulling out. Okay, so that was my journey to become an entrepreneur. So let's take it from that point in time, April 2020, when I first got the money in the door, to one year later, April 2021, one year as a fully funded full-time entrepreneur. What did I learn in that year? What lessons did I learn that I now want to share with you? So lesson number one is that this is primarily an emotional journey, not a logical one. Because remember, I had already run a business. I already knew how to run a business. So I wasn't learning that part on the job. What I wasn't prepared for was the assault of emotions that comes with running your own thing. There is no training that can prepare you for this assault, right? The loss of security, the loss of certainty and predictability, and the intense loneliness of being the only one at the top is something that you have to really experience to really understand. And COVID and the pandemic and lockdowns and curfews all made this compounded. So the thoughts that really attack you when you look at your bank account and you see that you have two months of funding left or when you go eight weeks in the business with zero revenue, and then the next month you have a record-breaking month, then another month with no income, then your clients message you to say you've changed their lives, and then you look at the bank account again and there's one month of cash flows left. That uncertainty, that volatility, there's no amount of training or learning or experience that can prepare you for the emotions that come with that amount of volatility. So I had to learn how to cultivate security and certainty within myself when there was none coming from the world around me. There was no one to give me certainty, no one to give me security, and the world had gone to bleep right around me. So there was no security in the world, period. This was the hardest lesson of all especially in a pandemic when the world has fallen to pieces, when everyone is losing their jobs, when no one wanted to spend money, I had to learn how do I create security and certainty in myself first without looking for it from the external environment. So my investor's way of approaching these challenges of volatility seemed to be to view them with excitement Yes, an obstacle to be overcome. Let's go to war. Work as hard as you can. Hustle, 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 hustle. Go for it. Yes, you can do it, right? That was their approach, which was great because they believed in me. But for me, that approach seemed overwhelming. And sometimes I think it's a bit of a gender difference, maybe. I mean, maybe I'm reading into things here and making um, assumptions. But this view of challenges to be overcome, let's go, versus Hold on, my view, let me just take a step back and ask the question, how can I protect the downside? That's, that was my way of facing potential failure. How can I protect the downside? How can I take care of myself and the business? 
How can I stabilize things in a healthy way for me without running myself into the ground to do so? Because this was a marathon, not a sprint. And I had to be able to sustain my energy for the long haul if this business was going to survive. I couldn't run myself into the ground, overcoming challenges, yeah, right? I had to do it in a very healthy, sustainable way for me. And then after stabilizing it, how would I figure out how to grow it from there, right? So these are the questions that I had to ask. And this was a very different approach that I had than my investors had, perhaps due to gender biases and gender differences in how we face challenges and how we protect ourselves when we're facing failure. Perhaps it was just a personal decision. I'm not sure. I don't want to make stereotypes here, but there was a difference between my investors and me and how we looked at this situation. And, um, and so I really wanted to protect the downside. And I thought about what my ideal situation would be. And my ideal situation was to have one or two retainer clients that stabilized income in the business so that once that was stabilized, we could focus on growing the business on the consumer side, running ads, building more content, building more products and pushing them out into the consumer side. So I got very clear on what my ideal situation was going to be. And then I had to make that ideal situation happen. Okay, so that was Lesson number one, the emotional journey. Lesson number two, I had to learn how to sell. All entrepreneurs need to learn how to sell or get someone on the team that knows how to sell. Otherwise, there's no business. With no sales, there's no business. Maybe in Silicon Valley, that's not true, um, but that's a very unique place in the world. Most other places in the world, you have to make sales to keep your business in operation, especially if you're running a small business. So my first year in the business, all of 2020, was about learning how to sell direct to consumers, B2C, business to customer. And I'm still learning how to do that. I've gotten a lot better at it at this point in time, but I'm still not amazing at it. And I had to figure out who exactly was my customer. What did they care about? What were they worried about? Where could I find them? How could I attract their attention and keep their attention? How did I encourage them to part with their hard-earned money during a pandemic to learn something from me? Was my sales ecosystem set up properly? And how did I keep customers who already purchased something within the company? How do I retain customers? And how can I generate monthly recurring revenues and stabilize cash flows? So these are all questions that especially online entrepreneurs have to answer to do well in business. And I ended up spending 10,000 US dollars to work with online sales coaches to figure out how to create an online selling system in the modern age. So setting up Facebook ads to a landing page, to a webinar, to a sales call, to purchase, and then putting them in the company watching or content and then interacting with me on the coaching call. So setting up that entire structure and automating it as much as possible, I actually had to hire coaches to learn from them and that was a really good decision. It was really good for me to spend $10,000 of the money that I raised from investors to learn how to sell because it's such it is such a critical aspect of running a business. But I started to realize 
that I'm much better at business to business sales than I am at the relentless crush of business to consumer sales. And this meant I had to pivot my business model in order for my business to stabilize cash flows and then thrive after that. So that brings us to lesson number three, how to pivot in your business. My investors and I had a very hard conversation in January 2021 about the future of the business. And we came to a joint decision to pivot from solely relying on the business to consumer side of the company and instead building a business to business side that could earn more consistent revenues over time. They asked me some tough questions on this investor call, and I'm so emotionally invested in the business that it was really hard for me to hear some of the feedback that they had. And, you know, it was just a very emotional call for me. But we got past that because I have experience with boards and investors. And so we were able to move past that and they supported me to start shifting gears a bit. And it was really the right decision to make to shift in the business at the time. I was really holding on to this idea of the business to consumer business. We just needed a little bit more time, but it was a right call to shift to business to business when we did. So I built a pipeline document of all the potential business clients that I could get from my network and so on. And then I got to work just pounding the pavement, creating decks, sending decks, following up. And I signed my first major corporate partner on a leadership development program in April 2021, one year after getting funded. I also signed with a New York-based job search engine that same month, and suddenly business-to-consumer B2C clients and leads started flowing in the business from being listed on that job search engine as a potential coaching company. And then in May, we had a major breakthrough in the business. I signed with my largest corporate client for workforce development, We'll be de- we are creating a leadership development program for leaders of their emerging businesses based in Jamaica, Cayman, Dominican Republic, and in the UK and in Miami in the US. So this is this was an amazing opportunity with this company. It really changed our entire business to work with them. They got it. They got what we were trying to do, not just with careers, but with cultural transformation in companies where we wanted to make their employees come alive at work, work with more motivation and engagement, retain more employees, get them promoted, get them upwardly mobile in the company. They just got it immediately. All the leaders were bought in from the start and we moved fast. We signed, we had a conversation in May. We signed June 1. We started end of June. And that that it was a six to eight month project that is ongoing. And suddenly we went from making a loss every month in the business and being funded by investors to even break even. And then suddenly we became profitable with these two contracts as well as the job search engine in the States. 
suddenly with those three contracts, we started making money in the business and I got to pay down company credit cards, build up reserves. It's a completely different ball game when your business starts making money. And I want to just encourage the entrepreneurs listening to this podcast episode that persist, pivot, do what you need to do because once you start making money, the whole energy, the whole experience of running your own small business changes dramatically for the better. So that brings me to lesson number four. What happens when things start going right in the business? (laughs) So the first thing I did was rest. It's so important to rest as entrepreneurs and not run ourselves into the ground. And especially for me, I suffer from chronic burnout And I'll probably have a podcast episode about that, but it's really important to rest. I had reached a milestone that I had worked really, really hard for, and it was brutal. That first year in business was brutal, emotionally brutal. And so when I got there, when I started making money in the business, I had to celebrate. Celebrate, rest, and then I had to figure out how to execute on all my new contracts at a high level and deliver high quality and excellence to my clients, delight my clients without burning up. So once that's done, and I'm still in the process of doing that as we record this episode, I'm still delighting my customers and really doubling down and ensuring that I execute and fulfill what they expected and exceed their expectations. And once things calm down from that, then I'm going to start looking at how to scale the company. And that brings me back to the B2C side of the business. I want to continue building our community. I want to continue serving that community well. I want to continue putting out content. And I want to put out even some physical products that I have in mind to put out into the world. So that's my reflection on year one as a full-time entrepreneur. We're building a community here. So I have my corporate customers. I have my community. I want to now refocus my attention on the community for the remainder of this year. And we are building our soul career tribe. So if you've watched our masterclass on soulcareer.com slash masterclass, if you've booked a call with us, a free consultation, if you've been listening to the podcast for the past two years that we've had it going now, then we're going to send you an email in the next month or two to invite you to join our community and give us feedback on the type of content that we should be building to continue to grow the community and get you feeling more connected with us and sharing in this experience with us as we build our business. Um, So uh, we would love to have you participate. So if you're on our mailing list, look out for an email from us in the next month or two. So now I'm going to close this podcast by giving you my seven tips for how to make the decision to leave a corporate job to become a full-time entrepreneur. So are you ready for them? All right. Tip number one, be honest about your appetite for risk and uncertainty, right? So you really have to understand your relationship to risk and really be honest with yourself about that before you take the plunge. A lot of people in corporate life cannot deal with a level of uncertainty in the first few years in the business, especially if you have Myers-Briggs personality type ISFJ or ESFJ or ESTJ. Those are not entrepreneurial 
types in the sense of being able to manage full-on uncertainty. So if you have some of those personalities that need predictability to feel comfortable in your life, then start your side hustle and manage your way to positive cash flows as a side hustle before you take the splurge that would before you take the plunge sorry that would be my advice there so that's tip number one tip number two learn how to run all aspects of a business before going out on your own if you can't right so especially managing cash flows building a team creating a strategy and executing on that strategy and pivoting on that strategy learn how to do that before you go full-time is my advice and really have it as a side hustle first and build a certain level of revenues into the business before you take the plunge again if you're risk averse but if you like me if you felt compelled this inner compulsion to just start then do it try to mitigate your risks as much as possible i did by raising funding for the first year in the business and then just do it and learn as you go. But really, you don't want to be learning on the job if you have the opportunity not to do that. Okay, tip number three, have a financial plan for your personal expenses. So I knew that the first two years were going to be hard. I did raise money for that. But while I was raising money, I still had to dip into my savings for two months in 2020 to fund myself before the money came in the door so and i had planned for that so as long as you have a plan it doesn't feel so disruptive when the inevitable uncertainty happens but if you don't have a plan then you're going to feel very lost when things go awry which they most certainly will in the first two years tip number three oh tip number four have a plan for managing your emotions as well. That was what hit me the most. Um, you can't ever really fully plan for how you're going to feel when things happen in the business, but you can have a support system. You can plan a support system for those hard times. So for example, start therapy. I think every entrepreneur needs to have a therapist, no question. And I have one. I have two, actually. For different different purposes the second place that i go to is of course my friendships my family um taking breaks going to the beach in jamaica to just get away from it all and recenter myself so just know what you need to stay centered in the midst of a storm and write it down and remind yourself to do those things when things go wrong okay tip number five if you are serious about building a real company that has longevity and it's not just going to be a hobby or a side hustle then you need an accountant to help you and you need a lawyer to help you draft some of the early contracts and just give you a template for the future uh, if you're serious about this business do those two people as outsourced resources really important to give you advice especially tax advice um, so CPA and a lawyer for sure tip number six create an exit strategy from corporate life so don't just up and leave your corporate job with no plan create a strategy i had a six month period i had to give six months notice because i was the ceo of the company we had to go into succession planning and so on and i even had a plan to to uh tell the board what i was doing i spoke to everybody one-on-one -on -one, and then i said it in a board meeting so it didn't come as a surprise the worst thing is blindsiding people and blindsiding yourself so have a really good exit strategy and don't just up and rush things without, without a plan. A plan helps to take the edge off the uncertainty. 
as you've seen in most of my tips, I'm like, have a plan for this, have a plan for that, have a plan for this. It takes the edge off and you're never going to be able to plan for everything. But just developing that practice will help a lot with being a better entrepreneur. And then finally, tip number seven, discuss your decision with some key people before you finally pull the trigger just to get different perspectives and to think about challenges that you may not have thought of on your own. Um, But don't let them sway you from your set course of action. If you feel compelled to do it, then do it. But just listen to other people who have insight and nuanced advice so that you can prepare yourself for the realities of making this decision. So that's it. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. And remember, your work should make you come alive. If you love this episode, remember to hit subscribe and leave us a review. And if you're a professional, executive, or entrepreneur that's interested in taking one of our coaching programs, head on over to soulcareer.com and sign up for a free consultation. We would love to hear from you.